Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, good afternoon or good evening, depends where you are. I'm Barry Parker for Capital Link's Trending News podcast series. And today, really happy to have on here uh, the crew from Navigator Holdings. Uh, they're on uh, New York Stock Exchange with the symbol NVGS. So we have today uh, Ivan Lindemann, who's the Chief Commercial Officer, and Randy Givens, who's the uh, Head of Investor Relations and Business Development uh, for North America. So Navigator Gas is an owner and operator of the uh, world's largest fleet of handy-sized liquefied gas carriers and global leader in the transport of uh, petrochemical gases. And those include uh, ethylene, ethane, LPG, uh, and ammonia. And uh, the company owns a 50% share uh, through a joint venture in an export marine terminal uh, in Texas on the uh, Houston Ship Channel. That's an ethylene export facility on the Houston Ship Channel. So Navigator Holdings recently announced uh, their Q1 uh, 2022 results. And uh, that's the occasion for having this call. So let's uh, start with uh, what we want to do is talk about the uh, the gas carrier market, like the, the current state, and then the outlook. And uh, I, I know that uh, the U.S. has uh, record import uh, exports. I'm sorry at this point. So uh, I wonder if one of you could uh, start us off on the current state of the market. Question, yeah, Barry. Uh, when you ask the question about gas carrier market. Uh, we have to be cognizant that uh, we operate in uh, three different sub-segments. So we trade ammonia, we trade LPG, and we trade petrochemicals. Uh, during first quarter, all of the above, all these three markets that we operate in have been quite robust and quite positive. And why? It's really to do with geopolitical issues because Europeans have had to look for, they had to diversify their supply sources. So instead of importing LPG, which is used for energy or feedstock in petrochemical production, and they had to look elsewhere. And who else is there to supply and replace? Well, it's uh, North America. And luckily there's a ocean in between. And of course, if uh, the distances are greatly increased between the Baltic Sea that we operate in partly uh, versus uh, to, to Europe versus on the East Coast or US Gulf Coast to Europe. So clearly the distances in LPG have increased, which is good for freight or for the shipping market. And the same has happened in ammonia. So ammonia is 18 million tons transported per year globally. Two millions of that comes through the Black Sea. Well, clearly that had to stop, but the world needs ammonia for agricultural growth. So the demand hasn't gone away. So the, the consumers of ammonia, will they will also force to look for alternative supply sources, which again are further afield, increasing the distances needed to transport a ton of ammonia. So that is great. On the petrochemical side, U.S. Uh, production of natural gas liquids have gone up and up and up, despite everything that's happening. 
So production, recount, et cetera, is on the increase. And that is ethane and that is propane. And those two sources are exported themselves, which we do. But also uh, US midstream companies uh, convert those molecules to ethylene and propylene, which we also export. So Q1 accumulated with uh, quite a, a positive uh, back setting for freight. Um, the European situation for sure um, had a positive impact on the freight side, but uh, let's not forget that the biggest locomotive of the growth is still North America. And that was that was going before everything happened in Europe. It, right, just, it just supercharged the situation. Okay, let's let's segue. You've you've, you've started to you've talked about the present. Let's uh, talk about the outlook. They 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 kind of come together. And I, I I don't know if it's possible to separate the geopolitics from the economics, but uh, just uh, Give us your thoughts on what what you see going going forward. Uh, pick, picking up on on what you just just said about the present. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, in in if you talk about shipping, you know the textbook example is uh, very basic supply demand that uh, balances. In the handy size segment, which is core to Navigator, there's uh, really only less than five percent. Uh, supply increase over the next three years, which is very low in any shipping segment. So that box is ticked. And with increasing production of, particularly from the US, from on uh, ethane, from propane, and the production of ethylene and propylene, the production and export need goes up, which it is because US demand is uh, flatline. So any increase in production and so forth is needing to be exported. So you have, you have more exports and you have longer distances sailed or needing to, be, to, to be transported and sort of flatline supply growth on this in the segment. Well, those uh, basic elements should indicate a more robust uh, freight market going forward. So that's going to keep going, and next the ge the geopolitics. It's uh, it's hard to predict, but uh, you know, just any kind of disruption just just tends to be good for shipping. That's just been my my yeah, observation. Yeah, that, is, that is correct. I don't think the because I am I'm in Europe. I'm from Norway, and we are bordering Russia up in Norway. But uh, so we have some uh, some understanding. I don't think. I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon. I'm talking about the, the supply sources and the sanctions and so on. So I think this is here to stay for a long term. Uh, US will go from strength to strength because it is the continent that could uh, provide the backstop for Europe, but also for Asia. And we see that in ethane and ethylene shipping, which is our speciality, um, long distances uh, loading from our own terminal in US Gulf to Asia. A round voyage takes two months on a handy sized ship carrying 150,000 barrels. So, so that is good for, for, for that side of our petrochemical business. Um, so I hope that answers some of the questions. Yeah, well, it's going to be a good, uh, good story going forward, that's for sure.
Let's uh, let's talk about you. Uh, you just announced the Q1 results. Uh, just wonder if you could uh, highlight uh, the results and uh, any particular achievements uh, in the Q1 results. Yeah, so we, uh, the first, uh, first quarter of uh, 2022 was uh, the best for a long time. So we had a net income of 27 million, which is uh, 35 cents per share, which is fantastic compared to quite low a year ago. And that's because of the reasons we've just uh, mentioned. And the terminal itself, so that's on the shipping side, the terminal itself, uh, performed wonderfully. So it lived up to its expectations of uh, exporting almost 100,000 tons every month in the first quarter. And that has provided robust earnings from the terminal side. So what people need to understand is the combination between the, the asset, the infrastructure on shore, which is fully contracted. It gives stability in terms of earnings long-term, combine that with the shipping side, which is slightly more cyclical. So those two in combination, they were kicking on all sort of horsepower, both of them producing those results that you can see on our website in our earnings report and so forth. And that is, that is the magic that we have been talking about for the last couple of years, but now it's happened. And it's nice to see that uh, we can actually produce and show those kind of numbers. That's good. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the commercial side of uh, your business, but uh, gonna gonna ask you a dumb question. Uh, Ethelene, I wonder if you can just uh, thirty seconds or a minute just just talk about. I know it's an important commodity, but what 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 it's used for uh, around the world. So, so ethylene is the the largest component for the production of uh, all things plastic related. So that is uh, your computer casing, your dashboard on your cars, it goes in textiles, it goes in uh, to production of face masks, bottles, etc, etc. So it's a consumer goods that generally enhances uh, people's lives in terms of the food packaging, insulation, makes it uh, uh, makes it last longer. So all those things, ethylene is used for. Now, the, the trick that people need to understand is where does ethylene come from? So in the past, ethylene is produced by oil. And many, many, many places still in the world, they use oil as a feedstock to produce ethylene. Now, of course, oil is, uh, is expensive and is uneconomical compared to North American production of ethylene using ethane, which is a gas that you produce in the US, highly competitive. You take that and you produce ethylene and you Americans, the American petrochemical industry has a huge cost advantage. And that is why we have an ethylene export terminal to ship those out. So the demand for ethylene is there, it grows with GDP, it's not gonna go away. And that is, and in the US you have cheap feedstock, cheap production, makes it competitive. We have the terminal and the ethylene shipping, which is very 
uh, complex, and there is the magic of Italy. Well, sounds like uh, you're, you're, you're certainly in the right place. You have uh, the, the terminal for the exports and you can take it on, on, on your vessels. Wonder if you could talk a little bit. Uh, I, I, I have the impression that, uh, and I may be wrong, the ethylene uh, and ethane, maybe those are spot cargoes and then the LPG is more of a time charter cargo. I'm not really sure about that, but I wonder if you can, you, you can talk about uh, your, your, your charter mix between uh, the term charters and the spot and uh, just, just how you manage that. Yeah, we have uh, traditionally had about 50-50% time charter coverage and spot, uh, spot market exposure. And I think that uh, that still holds today. <clears throat> I think the three different segments we're involved with, ammonia, LPG, and petrochemicals, they are different. In ammonia, we have seven vessels on longer term charters. On petrochemicals, on ethane is a feedstock, so it lends itself to longer term charters. The ships are then performing a virtual pipeline. So the users of ammonia and the feedstock of ethane are not interested in spot. They want reliability, they want efficient, safe uh, transportation, as in a pipeline. And that's what we do. In the LPG side, it's a bit more spot, some shorter term time charters, so it's a mix. But overall, it's about half-half uh, term coverage for our 53 vessels. Okay, and the utilization of, uh, of, of the fleet, that's, that, that's been growing, right? Utilization uh, moves, uh, moves around a little bit. When it's uh, about 90%, we typically indicate, it's a typical indication indicator for a very good, better freight market. Um, Q1 was uh, hovering around 90%. Um, so so that, is, that is a healthy, healthy utilization number in, in, our, in our opinion and assessment. All right, I'm gonna ask you about uh, expansion. Actually, we were, we, we were talking about the terminal, so maybe talk about that first if there's uh, any, any plans to, uh, to, to expand. I think you're over the nameplate. Uh, the, the exports are, are more than the official capacity. So maybe that, uh, that, that hints that there might, might, might be uh, more coming. And then uh, I know your fleet has grown with the vessels. Just talk about uh, your, your, your plans for that. Yeah, thanks, Barry. I'll, I'll hop in on the sure. ethylene export side, um, and then Oyvind can take over on the ships. But on the ethylene export terminal, you're right. It's been operating well above nameplate capacity. December, January, March, April, May, all around 100,000 tons per month. Nameplate capacity is around 83,000 tons per month, a million tons per year. So certainly operating above uh, expectations and above nameplate capacity, right? So it's really coming into its own here. In terms of expansion, that is certainly something we were planning on, right, three or four years ago. That's why we built the storage tank to, to satisfy an expanded refrigeration facility, as well as the berth and, and docking uh, to go along with that down here in, in Morgan's Point, uh, just outside of Houston. So Enterprise has already been pretty vocal about the expansion. I was at their investor day uh, about hmm. six weeks ago now. And, that's that's uh, your partner in the, in the terminal, that right? That is, 50, correct. Enterprise Products Partners. Uh, the midstream uh, company, largest in the world. Um, they are, they've already announced that they're going to be expanding that terminal, the ethylene export facility at Morgan's Point, our 50-50 joint venture there. So we are certainly in talks with them uh, around the timing of that, the scale of that, the cost of that, 
what they've been highlighting and, and kind of alluding to is about a doubling, uh, maybe a little more, of the current facility, which is 1 million tons, as I said, uh, per year, bringing on around half of that by the end of 23 and the remaining half late 24, early 25. So in 2025, uh, the plan is to have over 2 million tons of export uh, capacity there. So more than double of what we currently have. So that is certainly something we are very active in um, looking at those options. Um, nothing to announce today, but uh, clearly that is front and center in our priorities uh, in the near term. Well, we'll be standing by for more announcements. Uh, Ivan, what, what about the, uh, the fleet of the vessels? Yeah, I mean, our fleet today stands at uh, 53 vessels. Um, market share is important to us in the handy size segment. Uh, with aging assets, uh, then clearly you need to, to, to add on uh, newer ships when the older ones uh, drop off. So, so that, is, uh, that is very, very important. And, you know, there's some consolidation opportunities within the segment. You always have the opportunity to build ships. So we are evaluating uh, where our position and opportunity is in terms of, okay, we believe in the market going forward. Uh, we have a strong position and we'd like to maintain that. There's obviously growth on the supply, demand for shipping uh, across the whole spectrum. So we need to be ready for that. So. Uh, both new and existing assets are, you know, on the con continuous evaluation. So let's see what we can do. Is there a particular size of uh, vessel that's that's of interest? We have, uh, we, we grew up uh, in the handy size segment, so that is core to us, and that is where we have uh, the largest market share and, and uh, opportunity, particularly for petrochemicals. The handy size vessels are the largest. Uh, sort of usable vessels for, for deep sea petrochemical transportation between US and Europe and Asia. So that is clearly important to us. For future growth, uh, we can talk about ammonia in a minute. Ammonia is a tremendous growth story in terms of uh, blue and green ammonia, either um, for use for energy, uh, zero carbon energy, or for agricultural growth that the world needs it. Uh, that uh, generally needs requires larger ships. So that is something uh, that could be an opportunity for navigator. Um, but if, if you're looking about, if you're talking about very small vessels, it's not navigator, very large vessels, commodity shipping, one product, uh, one trick pony, that is not us either. So it needs to be a little bit more specialized uh, a little bit more thought process involved than that is navigator. Okay, well, we're talking about vessels, so new building comes into the equation. So that uh, kind of brings us to uh, next next group of questions, just about uh, your capital management and uh, capital allocation. Uh, I I know you paid down a little bit of in the in the first quarter. You paid down a little bit of the debt, but uh, just the longer term strategy. Uh, how, how are you thinking about the capital allocation? Uh, if there's suddenly a fleet of vessels to buy, uh, what, uh, what, what do you do, for example? Yeah, uh, that's a fair question there. So we continue to pay down debt, all right? Our, our amortization for this year is about $100 million. Total debts, 950 or so. Um, net debts, you know, high 700, 780 million or so. We have about 170 million in cash on hand, plus another 20 million 
plus million in undrawn liquidity. So that gives us $191 million of basically cash and liquidity. 50 million is our minimum. Uh, so that's where we're kind of reserving and keeping aside. So still a lot of liquidity uh, to use and capital to use going forward. Um, sources of cash, obviously on the free cash flow. Uh, it's pretty meaningful as well. You're looking at 30 to 50 million per quarter, uh, depending on obviously your, your assumptions for rates and utilization and other things, um, but in that range. And then CapEx is very little, right? Just maintenance CapEx. So we have a lot of cash to use uh, and, and will use, right? For a few things going forward in terms of the ethylene export facility. Um, there's going to be CapEx needed there. It's going to be spread out over those six to 10 quarters, kind of as I alluded to early in terms of the time frame for the expansion. But using some money for that, as Oyvind alluded to on the second hands and maybe some M&A activity, um, so some secondhand vessel acquisitions, um, using some, some capital for that. Uh, but beyond that, right, the, the plan is to return capital to, to shareholders in the coming year, uh, years, uh, in, in the nearer term, medium term, right? So in the next few months, we obviously want to focus on some of these very accretive projects and opportunities we have uh, in the growth side but also in terms of capital allocation, instituting a dividend policy and some of those things return capital, uh, that is going to be a priority as well. So in terms of our debt, we're, we're very comfortable with it, right? When you look at the consensus estimates of around $250 million in EBITDA, as I mentioned, net debt this year is probably gonna be around 750 uh, or so for the full year average. So what's that three times uh, net debt to EBITDA? So pretty comfortable levels uh, on the leverage. So that's kind of the, the capital allocation plan uh, as we see it today. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, we're starting to wrap up. I have a few more questions. Uh, ESG is always on uh, people's minds uh, when look, looking at companies. So I wonder if you talk about some of the uh, initiatives you have going on at Navigator. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, clearly ESG and green and all of these things is certainly something we are focused on. We just actually put out a materiality assessment uh, going forward. We have a sustainability report. Um, so all three of those letters are certainly important uh, to Navigator on the environmental, uh, the, the governance, the, the social. So on the ESG climate change emissions reductions, right? We have a decarbonization strategy going forward with that, optimizing some of the operations, identifying some alternative fuel sources and the like. Uh, we are certainly going to be reporting GHD emissions, so all of scope one and two and some scope three uh, categories there. We're doing the voluntary disclosures uh, via that CSR report. On the compliance issue, certainly primarily the EU ETS, right, the European kind of mandatory carbon offsetting scheme, uh, looking at those things, sustainability procurement, uh, focus there certainly on, on addressing some of the core sustainability topics, the human rights and, and forced labor, uh, occupational health and, and safety. Obviously, stakeholder engagement, right? I'm here for the investor relations and, and really uh, getting a good finger on the pulse there uh, with open dialogue there with materiality, sustainable issues uh, and that assessment going forward as well. And then obviously on the governance side, we're, we're very highly rated in, in that across uh, various um, kind of methodologies and various uh, public data for uh, governance scores, same thing on the social side of things as well. So ESG remains a priority and something that we are going to participate in, in that green transition 
Um, we're removing those transitory commodities, right? As Oyvin alluded to with ammonia, um, we're looking at hydrogen as well, and obviously on the ethane, ethylene, and other things, derivatives. Um, so it's certainly something that is a, a core tenet of navigation. Well, it's very timely because as we're recording this, uh, the, the IMO is having uh, their MEPC uh, 78 meeting uh, in, in London, so, uh, or virtually, so uh, extremely timely. All right, I, I do wanna wrap it up. Uh, so if you, if you guys can, can summarize uh, for the listeners, uh, really the, the investment thesis, uh, what are the, the major highlights and uh, what, what should the, uh, if you're telling the investors, uh, talking to the investors, what, what should they take into consideration? It's very straightforward, Barry. We have, uh, in addition to shipping, our ship assets, we have infrastructure. So the infrastructure piece brings stable, visible cash flows for a long term. And the ship, and in combination with the shipping, which is a bit more cyclical, brings an upside as well. But the two in combination, obviously the terminal brings demand to our core fleet. So it's a double whammy on that, which is great. More infrastructure projects we, we, we are looking at, which makes a lot of sense. You have the expansion imminently reevaluating as Randy was talking about. And the three commodities or the three markets we, we do participate in, participate in, ammonia, LPG and petrochemical, they all have a future. And they're all growing, production is growing. Um, just to give you an example, for five years ago, 10% of our business stemmed from North America. Today it's 40% and growing. And that's the reason why Randy is in Houston. So that is, that's our future. Navigator, Navigator's future is intrinsically linked to North America. So if you believe in North America, you believe in Navigator. All right, no, that's good. That's right, uh, Randy, you're, you're Houston based. So that, as I, as I recall, that's so okay. that's, that's great. Okay, well, I wanna, I, I wanna thank both of you, uh, Ivan and, uh, and, and Randy, it's been a very, interesting conversation and uh it's it's exciting and uh, full steam ahead so uh barry parker for capital link uh trending news podcast series want to thank everybody for listening and uh thanks again ivan and randy thank you barry